0: the first meal or one of the first meals I ever cooked in the firehouse, I almost set the deck on fire (laughs) by making beer can chicken. If you're not familiar with it, you take a beer can, you shove it up the chicken's butt, you put it on the grill. And I didn't know that you're supposed to turn the middle burners off. I didn't. And as the fat was dripping down, it was flaring up. And one of the guys said, Hey man, is there supposed to be that much smoke outside? And I look and the entire grill is ripping and, was on a wood deck and you know it was was hairy for a moment but i learned what i do wrong oh damn i didn't turn the middle burners off never made that mistake again
1: welcome to the o2x tactical performance podcast o2x has spent years training our nation's military and first responders as well as athletes and other elite organizations in the best ways to maximize both physical and mental performance take an in-depth look at our team the organizations we work with, the issues that tactical athletes face on a daily basis, and the best ways to overcome those issues. Today's guest is a chef and a firefighter for the Harrison New York Fire Department. In 2011, he started the brand Fork and Hose Company as a way to share his passion for cooking with other firefighters. Over time, Fork and Hose Company grew to a community of roughly 18,000 including firehouse chefs sharing meals and recipes from all over the world with a focus on healthier cooking. He graduated top of his class from the International Culinary Center in Manhattan in 2016 and has worked in multiple disciplines in the restaurant industry to include time in both butcher shops and authentic Italian pizzerias. He's the winner of the Salute to Firefighters episode on Food Network's Guys Grocery Games where part of his winnings went to sponsoring a 5-5 fitness grant to provide fitness and kitchen equipment to the Williamsport Fire Department. Most recently, he's partnered with O2XU Performance to provide tactical athletes to get in the kitchen and cook meals that are healthy and delicious. Please welcome to the podcast, AJ Fusco. AJ, what's up, dude?
0: What's up, Joe? Thank How's you for feeling? having me on this. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on. So where, where are we getting you at today? So I am currently residing in the backyard of my house, which is in Harrison, New York. I was born and raised here. And this is actually where I work as well with the fire department. Money, money. So
1: I fired up Instagram prior to the episode right before this and to take a look at what you've been up to, and you you casually whipped up uh, some fried shrimp po'boys for your entire firehouse yesterday. Did these guys at the firehouse have any idea how lucky they are? Or do they do they still yeah. put you on
0: put you on toilet duty or no? No, they're spoiled. They're spoiled. yeah, they have to be, man. I'm like you know, like probably the most you know uh, sought after uh, guy to have on the crew just for the sole purpose of that. I cook and really I cook pretty well, yeah. And, and the shrimp po'boys, believe it or not, were. Not even my idea. We we kind of were like throwing some things around, and I was like, Oh, let's do shrimp boys. And I was like, "Sure." So he he's reaching for like the the batter, you know, package, and I'm like, "Oh, all right." He's like, "Oh, what were you gonna do?" I was, like, I was gonna grill them. He's like, "Ah, we got to do it this way." So I, I let him slide this
1: time. That's good. No, it's authentic, man. That's how they're served, right? So yeah, you're you're pretty sought after to have on the crew. I I, I can only imagine the benefit of having a a professional chef.
0: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, you know, like there's other guys that do cook for sure. And they, they, they make food that's really great as well. But I think what the guys like about me the most is I kind of like to switch things up as much as possible, you know, so they know they're not going to eat the same thing over and over. Again.
1: Yeah, for sure, man.
0: <laughs> well, well,
1: what an awesome story. You, you essentially parlayed your passion with cooking with your job and firefighting, which I'm going to go ahead and assume is, is a passion of yours as well. It can't exactly be half heartedly in the in the fire service. So for starters, how did you how did you get involved in the fire service and what drew you to that?
0: So in Harrison we have what's called the combination department. So that means we have career personnel, which is what I am now, and then we also have volunteers. Back in, I guess it was like two thousand three, a buddy of mine was like, Hey, I think I'm gonna join the volunteers and you know, why don't you do it with me? And You know, at the time, I've had uncles that were in the department, other friends that were in it. So it wasn't a completely, you know, foreign concept. But, you know, my dad was a cop. So I came from more of the law enforcement background, I guess is one way to put it. But he also never pushed me to be a cop or be a fireman. He just said, you know, if you're going to do it, take the tests, you know, and try to do well. So I joined the volunteers and then, you know, I started to really like it and it made me think, you know, this might be something I want to do for a living for sure. So I took the, you know, the tests that were given around that time and I got put on the list and, you know, about a year and a half, two years later, I was hired. So you started as a
1: volunteer and then you ended up going as a career
0: firefighter from there. Yep. Yeah. I was a volunteer for, like I said, about two years and then I got hired. So
1: around 2005. So you've been a firefighter roughly like 60, 15, 16 years now.
0: Yeah. Believe it or not. It's crazy. You know, they say like it flies by and it really honestly has. What's interesting
1: here is the timeline because you created the fork and hose brand in 2011. Do I have that right? Yeah. Give or take. Yep. So in 2011, but you didn't graduate culinary school until 2016. So did your passion for cooking or at least like pursuing a career as a, as a chef, come from the, the Fork and Hose brand? like You were receiving like some good feedback from people and, and you decided to, to pursue a career as a,
0: as a chef? Or had you had a passion for cooking uh, prior to that? I honestly didn't have a passion for cooking prior to the fire service. But you know, if you think about it, okay, so I got hired when I was 22. right? And at 22, you're not really thinking about cooking. I was still living at home. Mom still yeah. was cooking for me. I would dabble a little bit when, you know, I, I commuted to college and I'd be home for lunch and I'm like, damn, I got to make something to eat <laughs> or else, you know, we're going right. to start over here. So I started cooking, but it was not serious. It was just get something on the plate. Once I got into the firehouse and I realized the importance of the firehouse kitchen, the nucleus that surrounds it, and the way guys responded to the cooking, I was like, wow, this is cool, you know, like. I cooked and guys loved it. And they were asking for me to cook again. And it was kind of like a snowball effect. And seeing that pushed me to create Fork and Hose Company, which originally started out, honestly, as a way to share my own recipes. I created some half-assed website. And I put my recipes up and started talking to some buddies around here that also cooked in the firehouse. I'm like, man, I'm I'm not the only one, obviously. So why not try to push it to share what they're making as well? And then Instagram came about. And that was it. It was like you know, full speed ahead. I want to
1: back up a little bit because you talked on like firefighters getting around and like all eating together, which is a huge cultural thing in the firehouse. Did you think that played like a pretty huge impact into you wanting to you know go further into the culinary space? Because I know that's a it's a huge. As I just said, it's a huge cultural thing, like guys getting together in the firehouse and, and spending time and, and eating a meal together. So, do you think that played a factor into into you wanting to further your your education in, in the culinary space?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the reason most people enjoy cooking if they're cooking for somebody else is you like that feeling of making somebody happy through your food. You know, growing up in a in a pretty big Italian family, like any chance we could get together and eat. We did it, you know Thursdays was pasta night. Fridays you know we would go out to eat if it was a special night, Saturday we ate steak, then Sunday was pasta. you know there was always like if somebody died, you ate, somebody you know was born, <laughs> so just making people happy through food, and then you know seeing that happen in the firehouse you know with your basically your second family, my fire kept getting lit, and I'm like, I want to do more, I want to learn how to cook more I want to make more people happy. I want to learn how to do this even better. You know, it just kept pushing me and pushing me.
1: So you ended up going to culinary school in Manhattan in 2016 or you graduated in 2016. I'm not sure how long that typically takes. So what's the process with that? How long does it typically take to get
0: certified as a, as a chef? So I took what was basically the longest curriculum that was offered because in order to work with the firehouse schedule, I couldn't be there Monday through Friday, like you know, a lot of the students are, are are doing because it's basically their only job at that point. I was what they would call a career adder, not a career changer. So in order to make that work, I was there two nights a week. It was it was like a fourteen month program. I had a lot of help in the firehouse with you know covering shifts and you know working neutrals is what we call them. So that was difficult, but yeah, it was twenty sixteen is when I graduated. So yeah,
1: does your fire department work off shift schedules like? Did that play to your advantage that you could work like a twenty four hour shift and then bounce to culinary school after that, or how, how did
0: that work? How did you balance that out? At that time, we were doing twenty four on three off, and unfortunately, commuting to Manhattan and the way our, our shift times were working, I couldn't really take just maybe the night off to go jump run down to Manhattan. So what I was doing is basically swapping a tour. You know, I had one guy who basically. We were almost like mutual partners. It was other guys that helped for sure. It was just a lot of work for me. I work for you, and kind of worked around the schedule. That's great. It's good you come from a great department that you were able to do that, and that guys
1: were supporting you. That's that's awesome. They, yeah. they, they they were doing it for their own benefit, though. They knew it was going to yeah, benefit exactly. uh, the. Don't food think that there wasn't like get an in the ulterior motive,
0: uh... motive about that, right? Right.
1: Well, awesome. So the Guy Fieri show comes about that hopped off the page to me when I was reading your bio. So first off, that's really cool. And it's awesome to see that a portion of the money went to decking out a fire department with, with cooking equipment nonetheless. But how did you get involved with Guy Fieri's show? Did they make you get uh, frosted tips
0: for, to, to get on or what? Well, being that nobody can see my hair right now, there is none. Huh. It was two weeks into culinary school, give or take. And I got an email and I honest to God thought it was spam. I said to my wife, I think this can't be real. Like, Why would somebody reach out to me from Food Network? You know? She's like, I don't know. Like that sounds pretty legit. Why don't you just reach back out to him? So I did, and it turned out to be obviously the real thing. And they believe it or not, found me through Fork and Host Company. I don't know if they looked, like searched the hashtag Firehouse Cooking or whatnot, but that's where they they claim they they saw me, and they kind of just you know we went from there.
1: What's the concept of the show? How does it work? And then how did you? Because you ended up winning. So how did you end up like winning the show?
0: And what's the concept of it? I never watched it as a kid, but. People equate it to almost like a supermarket sweeps, kind of. I guess that was a show back in like the 80s. But the concept is there's four contestants and there's three rounds. And each round you have, we'll call it a theme. So one of my themes was like Mexican Fiesta. And you're basically in a mock supermarket. It's not a real supermarket, but they basically have it equipped to look like one and feel like one. And each challenge has its own challenges. So they might say, you can only, you know, get 10 pounds of ingredients in your cart. After that, you can't use it, you know. Or you got to make a meat extravaganza, but you can only use like turkey. I'm just using like... Right, right. There's always challenges within the challenge. So I did that. And, you know, like you said, I ended up winning. I won uh, 20,000 and I was able to use some of that to give to the five, five, five fitness grant, which went to Williamsport fire department. That's awesome, man. Has there been a, uh,
1: any update how they use the equipment? Have you heard from them since?
0: I mean, I honestly haven't heard from them about it since, but I, I am still, uh, friends with a couple of the guys and you know they're, they're cooking and you know, they're working out. So can't really ask for anything more than that. That's awesome. Well, either way, so
1: the main reason I wanted to get you on the podcast is to is to talk about you know cooking on shift because and how you approach it as a firefighter. So I can get as many nutritionists as I want on this podcast to talk about hydration or macronutrients or dieting or, or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, there are very few people that can provide insight on cooking for an entire firehouse while actively working. You know, as a firefighter, and you have that unique perspective where you can say, "Don't do as I say; do as I do." So, uh, how often are you cooking for your firehouse, and and when you approach it, what comes with that? Like, how do you approach it when it comes to like time management, financially? How do you keep it healthy? What is it like? What does the process look like there, and how do you go about doing that on like a regular basis?
0: The thing with firehouse cooking is it's going to vary with every firehouse or every firehouse chef that you talk to, but the way I approach it is generally I'm cooking every shift and almost always gonna cook lunch and dinner. Now time management, what I'll usually do is it depends on the day, you know, as far as if we have any drills or if we have maintenance schedules or, or anything like that. I'll kind of plan my menus around that. So like, okay, lunch is coming up pretty quick. I'm gonna do something quick and easy on lunch, and then maybe get something for dinner. If I have time, I'll I'll make maybe a more elaborate meal. If I don't, maybe it's something that could just braise in the oven for a while and I don't have to worry about it. Use a slow cooker. Those are all factors that I take into consideration. And you know, one thing that I think probably every firefighter would attest to is you're going to shop the sales. Like I preach that a lot. Before you, you really get a menu in your head, get to the supermarket. Get to the market first and see what's available, what's on sale, what's in season, I think is a big thing. And then kind of figure it out from there. Like if somebody requests jambalaya, okay, then you're probably stuck making jambalaya regardless of shrimp or, you know, $20 a pound or $10 a pound. But I think if you go to the supermarket, I like to go with an open mind, like, all right, let me see what's looking good, what's on sale, and then kind of plan my menu around that. And generally, it's usually a protein is what I'm going to base everything else around. When I
1: think of this, I'm thinking of like people that, you know, say they want to take this approach, right? They want to to cook for whoever they're on shift with. How do you deal with that financially? Do you have like a firehouse fund that you can take and and you go out and you buy groceries? Are you getting money from each guy and shipping in? How does that work financially? And where does money come into play?
0: For me personally, in my house, they basically put all their trust in me. (laughs) So I'm going to go shop and they're going to say, what do we owe you? And I'm going to tell them. But that doesn't necessarily give me free reign to go buy, you know, lobster every shift or get some fresh truffles to shave on top of the pasta. You know, it's it's kind of a trust thing that they put into me. But I generally like to keep things within a certain range. So it's not like a sticker shock, you know. But if you're cooking on shift and you're putting out good food, as long as you're not hammering them over the head, like I think more often than not, they'll trust you and and I do know that there are other firehouses where they have basically a set price. So it's $10 a meal, right? And now it's up to you figure out what you can get out of that 10 bucks a guy. You know, and that's a whole nother way of shopping, but you're looking for the deals. You're looking for sales shop seasonally. Cause I think people forget about things when they're in season are usually cheaper. So that's right. going to help us save money as well.
1: We saw your knowledge in the space to be pretty invaluable for the reasons I mentioned above. And we started to, create our app we want to have recipes that you know not only taste good but you know the average person can can make them right because that, that's an issue that people a lot of people deal with and i know you're big on taking meals that are typically unhealthy and then adding like a nutritional spin to it like it, for example uh, on our app right now one of our recipes you created for us was like a a buffalo chicken sandwich but instead of a bun you created you know lettuce wraps and cetera ranch, you swap that out with like homemade Greek yogurt dressing with like with blue cheese. So where do you typically like come up with the ideas for your meals? And how do you come up with the nutritional twists?
0: A lot of times when I'm trying to think of something to make, it's what I'm either in the mood for, you know, like I'm jonesing for something, or if I'm shopping for something, and I see something on sale, pork chops, right? All right, pork chops are on sale, guess I'm making pork chops tonight. What can I do to those pork chops? And you know, if it's something that is typically unhealthy, I'm not there to like, completely make it the most healthy thing in the world. I'm just thinking like, what can I change out either ingredient or cooking technique wise, to make it a little healthier, right? Whether it's maybe instead of frying, it's baking, or instead of a can of vegetables, I'm just gonna use fresh vegetables. Where I'm most successful is when I can change a few things in that recipe, just enough where it's almost not noticeable. You know, You know, one time I did uh, cauliflower mashed potatoes and I said, let me start off easy. I'm not gonna go out and put mashed cauliflower out on the table. I'll split it up 50-50. So I did 50% mashed potato, 50% cauliflower. And that was able to kind of help me get that goal of making it a little healthier, but without shocking everybody. I'm a big proponent in small steps. So when you're gonna try to change the crew's attitude on healthier eating, you can't bring them kale salad every day, you know, like you got to put bacon on the table, but maybe change the ingredients in another part of the dish so that it's a little healthier as well.
1: Is there a specific type of of cooking, like a specific method of cooking that you avoid or, or you try to swap in and out to make dishes healthier? Obviously, like first thing that comes to mind is like frying. How do you go about like swapping in and out certain cooking techniques
0: that are, uh, you know, most typically unhealthy? Frying is probably the most popular way to cook in a firehouse but obviously probably the most unhealthy way a lot of times you're not going to necessarily achieve the same exact result baking chicken wings you're not going to necessarily get the same result as if you deep fried them but if you could get pretty damn close and you know your flavors are on point i think that's another part of it too is you know if the flavor is good it's going to taste good right but if you're Instead of deep frying wings, you're baking them, but you're also just not putting any flavor in them. Then you know nobody's going to be happy. And a lot of times, it's it's something like cream based stuff is pretty popular, cream and butters. But if you could swap out maybe olive oil, going back to like mashed potatoes, almost all mashed potato recipes involve a lot of butter. Swap out with some olive oil. It's a healthier fat, right? Those are little little things that could change a meal. To be a little more healthy, but still be delicious. A huge
1: part of people eating unhealthy, aside from we always say time management is like is the biggest issue. People get hungry and they didn't prepare, and now all of a sudden they're stuck going through a drive-through. Well, aside from that, like another huge issue is simply not having like knowledge, but you know not knowing specific ways to cook. And I think you're almost a perfect example for this because when you started the Fork and Hose Company. You hadn't been to culinary school. You were just, uh, again, you you alluded to the fact that you were a 22-year-old kid that just started cooking in the firehouse. Well, when it came to certain cooking techniques, you you definitely didn't know what was going on at the time. So where did you go to learn certain cooking techniques prior to cooking school or prior to culinary school? And how did you go about learning those and mastering those without having like a formal education in it?
0: I'm not mastering anything, man. Like Every day, I'm learning something new. But Around that time, Food Network was becoming a thing, right? And there were, you know, shows like, you know, Jacques Pepin and like all those like classic culinary shows. I would watch them. There wasn't really YouTube, I don't think at that time, or it wasn't popular for learning how to cook. But it was a combination, I would say, of reading magazines, reading cookbooks, watching shows on Food Network that were actually about cooking, you know, not all these like crazy (laughs) challenge shows or anything like that, like actual cooking shows. And then, trial and error, you know I use the people that I work with as guinea pigs, and I still do. You know, try something out if it doesn't work, figure out what you did wrong and fix it. The first meal, or one of the first meals I ever cooked in the firehouse, I almost set the deck on fire by making beer can chicken, if you're not familiar with it, you take a beer can, you shove it up the chicken's butt, you put it on the grill, and I didn't know that you're supposed to turn the middle burners off. I didn't. And as the fat was dripping down, it was flaring up. And one of the guys said, hey, man, is there supposed to be that much smoke outside? And I look and the entire grill is ripping and it was on a wood deck. And, you know, it was was hairy for a moment. But I learned what I do wrong. Oh, damn, I didn't turn the middle burners off. Never made that mistake again. You had qualified guys around too, I think. Yeah, yeah. no, no better place to do that, right? But I think it's important that people learn to make mistakes and learn from them. And that's going to make them a better cook. For sure.
1: In order to sign off the episode, I like to ask each one of our guests, what's a 1% change that you would offer to the audience? And and since you have knowledge in the space of what we would consider our eat realm of our curriculum, is there a 1% change that you would offer to our audience that they can make in their daily uh, nutritional life?
0: Probably cliche, but I think shopping for seasonal fresh produce. I think often we're getting caught up in the protein side of things, you know, I need lean meat. I need you know lean chicken and you know like, uh, lean beef. But I think people kind of overlook the vegetable. And I think when you learn how to make a vegetable delicious, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to change the way you kind of view cooking. You know, and don't look at the vegetable as like a sideshow. You know, it's it's important to kind of look at those things and figure out ways to cook with them, keep them interesting, keep it delicious. So I would say one percent would be to. Buy some more fresh seasonal produce. Awesome, man. Well what an interesting story, AJ. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um for those
1: that want to learn more about AJ, definitely check out his page. It's it's Fork and Hose Company on um on all social platforms, including Instagram. are you on Facebook?
0: Yeah. Yep. Facebook, Instagram, So whatever I put on Instagram, it's going to go to Facebook.
1: Got you. And and all, I don't want to say all his recipes, but the majority of his recipes can be found in our tactical performance app. He has a bunch of crazy, delicious recipes, all with a nutritional twist. So I definitely suggest checking those out. AJ, I can't thank you enough for for coming on. What a cool story. And thanks for sharing, man.
0: Thank you for having me on. And uh, I absolutely love working with O2X. Awesome.